Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com, presented by Coors Light. I am John Schmelke, is Lance Vettel. The phone number is 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you can. A lot to talk about today on Big Blue Kickoff Live, and boy, most we've had to talk about probably since the end of the regular season with everything that went down in the last couple of days. So the reason we started late, first and foremost, is that Dave Gettleman addressed the media so that went on for about 20 minutes, just, more like a half an hour, actually. Yeah. It just ended. So we'll talk about what Dave spoke about. And we also have, of course, all the injury news that has broken over the past few days and all focusing, unfortunately, for the Giants on one specific position, which is kind of how it goes in waves. So, Lance, let's start the wide receiver stuff first. So we learned that Darius Slayton tweaked his hamstring. Uh, there's no timetable on him. Uh, the the sense that from Pat Shermer is that they don't really know when he's going to get back, so we'll have to wait and see. I wouldn't try to put a number on that. Sterling Shepard, when Pat Shermer spoke today, he has a fractured thumb. Now they thumbs can be tricky now, but they specified that it's just kind of the tip of the finger, which is why they only are anticipating uh, a few weeks for that. And Pat Shermer seemed to think he'd be back at some point during training camp, even. So that's really good news. And then today, out of nowhere. The Giants announced that Corey Coleman, their acquisition last year from the Patriots, I think that was the last team he was on before Correct. he came here, um, he tore his ACL during practice yesterday, and by the way, finished practice with a torn ACL and played through it, believe it or not, so he's going to be lost for the season. So Lance, usually, you know, these things go in waves a little bit, it hits all one position at once, and that's kind of what happened with the Giants here. Yeah, it's unfortunate for Corey Coleman, John, because, I mean, personally, I had high hopes for him this season. I thought there was a great opportunity ahead for him. Well, because, I'm sure he's very worried about disappointing your high well, expectations. Well, that is at the top of the list, of course. <laughs> Guys that I get behind don't have a great track No, they really don't, actually. Yeah, you are the kiss of death, <laughs> yeah, dude. Seriously. In all, in all seriousness, though, Eli Manning, this goes back to what he talked about in the spring, John, that... Corey Coleman, the fact that he's been here for an entire offseason, he was not here for an entire offseason last year, to your point, he was claimed off of waivers, he was on the practice squad, and then he finally moved his way up to the 53, so one of the things Eli indicated this spring was, uh, Corey felt, once he gets a grasp of the offense, it's full goal for him, and he felt at this stage, hey, he knew what he was doing, he knew the routes, he felt comfortable, and that's why there was a lot of high hopes for him, and not just as a wide receiver, John, also as a return guy, and he was one of the consistent kickoff return yep. men for the Giants mm -hmm. last season, Let's not overlook that. Now, unfortunately, he's got a very tough road to recovery, and it means an opportunity for somebody else. What I wanted to add about Darius Slayton, Slayton And by the way, real quick, Lance, real fast on, on yeah. just on Coleman. Golden Tate spoke about him today, and he talked about how Coleman was doing a wonderful job in the offseason studying, learning the playbook, and he was even excited for Coleman to live up to that first-round draft status. It wasn't just from the coach. His teammate, Golden Tate, reiterated a lot of those same things, how he really committed himself from a mental standpoint and a studying standpoint to have a big year. And, and just Tate's whole demeanor, he, he was very, very yeah, he was down up. about Absolutely. It. He said that he FaceTimed him while he was in the training yeah. room, mm -hmm. but he didn't have an opportunity yet to speak to him in detail. I think my biggest takeaway from what Tate and Eli Manning have said this season, as well as Shermer, John, is they respect the work ethic. Oh, 100%. And they mm -hmm. saw that first and foremost. So I think that is something to take away, and that bodes very well for Corey Coleman moving forward in his future in the NFL. The other thing that was important to note that Golden Tate mentioned, you know, you said he played through practice with a torn ACL. He didn't realize. Golden Tate yeah. indicated that he got hurt early in practice. He said that he was feeling pain in his knee, but he gutted it out. He said he was going to go through practice, and then they watched the film as a wide receiver group today. Golden Tate watched the play, and 
you couldn't even tell on film that he tore his ACL. Yeah, he said he ran a great post-corner route that he said was dynamite at the end of practice. He has no idea how he did it with a torn ACL. It's just nuts. Well, which is another indication it's one of those tricky injuries because how many times have we seen a guy non-contact, John, and then all of a sudden, 24 hours later, you find out he tore his ACL? Hell, I mean— It's just, not an obvious injury. Just look even in, in the NBA Finals last year. Klay Thompson tears his ACL. He tries to go out there and play. Yeah. He tried to go back into the game. so He was waving the coaches off. Exactly. It, it's not one of these injuries where you automatically know that it, there's not terrible pain. You don't know that. You know you can walk with a torn ACL. It's the change of direction and the, and, back and, forth. and the instability and stuff like that. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's kind of where they are. And then you wanted to make a point on Slate. Yeah, the point I wanted to make of Darius Slayton, you mentioned what Pat Shermer had to say at his press conference. Then later on during the media session, Slayton actually spoke with reporters, and you know, he did not think this was a serious injury by nature. He was pretty optimistic that he was going to get back out on the field because one of the questions, John, that was posed to Darius Slayton was, well, look at what's happening at your receiver position. It seems like the injury bug is striking across the board, and he was the first one to say, yes, hey, Corey Coleman's injury is serious, but he's really the only one at this point that's serious. I'm coming back. Sterling Shepard, when you mentioned it's the tip of the thumb. Pat Shermer, when he spoke to the media, you know, every time there was a question, John, about, oh, well, is there concern about him being back on the field for week one? Is there concern about him missing the remainder of the preseason? My takeaway, and this is just my honest opinion, Shermer didn't seem overly concerned. No, he wasn't. He, right? he, he, no, he actually said, I am not concerned yeah. at all about Sterling. He said that multiple times. He was brushing aside one question after another. So my takeaway, again, is I would not be surprised if we see Sterling Shepard no. at some point in the preseason in a game because they I, I felt, seem to be encouraged by I it. I felt really bad about it last yesterday when I heard about the injury of his thumbs. If you get that down by one of the joints down here or something like that, that course, can yeah. be a long-term type pain deal, tolerance but it, it really too. doesn't seem like it's going to be, which is really, really good news because the Giants need Sterling Shepard. Look, they need Shepard, they need Tate, they need Ingram. Those are three essential players to this team's offense, especially now with Corey Coleman gone. They are absolutely essential. So that's the deal with the injuries. Let's go on to Dave Gettleman. He, he uh, talked about a wide range of topics, and obviously the first one that he got asked questions about was Daniel Jones. Um, they asked about his progress. He said, I'm not somebody to take his temperature every day, but he was very happy with the job he did back in the spring, and he thought he made a lot of good progress. And he talked about when asked a question why he believes that he's the next guy, and he said in his heart of hearts he does believe that he has found the Giants' next franchise quarterback, that it's his ability. It's because of all the work they did to, to scout him. The first thing he mentioned is watching all the film they did on him, the background information, um, the type of person he is off the field he mentioned. He talked about a specific example, and we talked about all the drops he had in college, a, a game in which he threw a deep post pass to a receiver when right in his hands dropped the ball, and then he was asked about it in the postgame press conference. He said, well, I have to put a ball in a better spot. And he said, those are the types of things you need for your quarterback to do as a leader. But I want to stress, he did lead with, it was all the film we watched that we love so much is the reason that he believes that he is the next guy. He would not put a timetable or any conditions on when Daniel Jones might take over for Eli Manning. So people tried to ask him, is it going to be when you're out of playoff contention mathematically by a certain week, you have a certain amount of wins. They tried to nail him down on some sort of specific timetable. He said it's fluid. You have to take it by feel and see how the year goes. And he also pointed out, though him and Pat Shermer talk all the time or in a constant communication, that ultimately is a decision of the head coach. Yeah, he emphasized, he said that this is Pat Shermer's decision, but there's constant dialogue back and forth, and not just on Daniel Jones, on the entire roster. He used the term tremendous upside when asked about Daniel Jones, John. That was the phrase that came to mind that I took away from 
his statement about Daniel Jones. And the other thing that he indicated was, which has them excited, he said, listen, you watch rookie minicamp, you watch rookie workouts, and it doesn't even resemble football. And he's 100% right. It's good to hear an executive echo those sentiments because I know we receive call after call during the offseason. Hey, give us your takeaways. I mean, they're running around in their underwear, guys and gals. Come on. I mean, let's be honest. So Dave Gettleman said, but when you see Daniel Jones go out there, compete in those settings, it does resemble football because of his competitive fire, because of how serious he takes playing and play out. So, you know, the work ethic, the upside, they're seeing that as far as when we see a translated to the field, that remains to be seen, as John just alluded to. So, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves if we try to pinpoint a timetable. The other thing that I wanted to get to with Gettleman before we go on to some other things is obviously the first thing I I got a whole list here, Lance. We got plenty. One of the first things he was asked about, John, was what we started to show off of the injuries at the wide receiver position. And Mm. he talked about how the number of wide receivers on your roster becomes so fluid because he said, listen, we put Alex Wesley on pup. Okay, now you're down to 11. Now Shepard gets banged up. And it's not that they're looking so much on John who's making the roster. They're looking at having bodies to get through practice because Pat Shermer and Mike Shuley, he indicated they script what they want to get done at every practice. Well, you need bodies to do that because you're at the first, the second, and the third team. And you don't want to overwork guys because then you get more injuries. Well, and that's more of a reason. So when they're looking at wide receivers, and Dave Gettleman indicated they're going to have some veterans come in tomorrow. They hope to have some workouts, and they'll see where guys are at. But keep in mind, this is volume to work with on the 90-man roster. That doesn't mean that they're looking at the roster right now, John, and they're saying to themselves, Boy, we had in mind that these were the five or six guys we're going to keep, and now we're really screwing that up. Right. They just want, from a competition standpoint, guys to come in. So to your point, they don't overwork the Sterling Shepherds, especially in the event that he suffered an injury, which he did. And, and now Golden Tate, those guys. Right, exactly. Yeah. A couple other things he talked about in terms of Dave Gettleman. The thing that struck me when he talked about the team in general and the team's success this year, and this is something we've kind of talked about over the course of the offseason here on Big Blue Kickoff Live, The success of this season, Lance, is going to have an awful lot to do with how quickly the young guys become good. And he talked about last year's draft class taking another step forward, the B.J. Hills, the Lorenzo Carter, who we talked a lot about, who they have very high expectations for, Will Hernandez becoming more than just a starter and becoming a high-level starter, and then the rookie class this year, three first-round picks. Uh, Two of them are going to play right away, Dexter Lawrence, DeAndre Baker, maybe even Stark. He talked about how you want your first two rounds picks to, to get in there and start right away your third round pick to be a rotation player right away and maybe take over as a starter at some point over the course of the year so they're going to be very reliant on these young players and he said look they're going to make mistakes but the, the best ones only make it once they move on and they get better the success the Giants are going to have are going to is going to have a lot to do with how well these young players play how quickly they develop and whether or not they're good quickly specifically in the pass rushing department, which is, I and think, in the secondary. where he hit home, correct, in the secondary as well. That goes without saying, but I think the reason why he singled out somebody like Lorenzo Carter is because they have high hopes that he could take a step forward with respect to his progress at getting at the quarterback. Zimenez, too. Yeah, O'Shane Zimenez, who was in that rookie class. Now, interestingly, on this subject, John, and I want you to emphasize this for the listeners and the viewers, Dave Gettleman was asked a specific question, and he was asked, how does he think this roster improved from last season where exactly on the roster he sees the biggest improvement and he used the specific term when he was giving his answer 
and I don't know if you. I don't put know if I picked up on your it. Go notes. ahead. I did not. Well, there was one exact word that he utilized. Where did the roster come oh. along the most? <laughs> oh, I think I have it here. Oh, you have it. I, I I want you to yeah, yeah, look yeah. at the camera. Just look at the camera when you. Okay, I'm, use this term. I'm gonna write okay. it down. I want you to emphasize, emphasize it and say it with a great deal of passion and pride. Depth. There we go. All right. Are you it's happy gotta now? Got to be on the record. I, I just okay. wanted it on the record. That's all. Okay. Now we can <laughs> resume the conversation. The other things he talked about, though, in terms of improving the roster, he talked about the offensive line being better, adding Zeitler, having Halapio back. Um, he mentioned Remmers, I think, too. I mean, he might not have mentioned him by name, but that's another guy at that offensive line group. He talked about the defensive line being better because BJ Hill taking another step, adding Dexter Lawrence. Uh, more guys at the outside linebacker pass rush position. He talked about that, and he said the secondary, he didn't necessarily say he thinks they're better, but he said it's been completely reconstructed, and he hopes that they do do better, but obviously that's going to depend on how the young guys do. So when he asked specifically about where he thought the team got better, he actually thought about it for a good like 30 seconds before he gave the answer, and those are the groups that he came up with where he thought there was the most improvement. Well, and the other thing, and this is just me interpreting what he said, John, I don't want to put words in Dave Gettleman's mouth, but when he was asked about the secondary, you know, it it seemed to be indicated from him that, you know, this is almost like a baptism by fire type of situation, John, where those young guys, they're going to be called upon immediately to step up and they're going to have to deliver. But he was also encouraged by the role Janoris Jenkins has taken on. He pointed out yesterday in practice, Janoris and DeAndre Baker were already (laughs) having conversations on the side where Janoris was teaching him about technique. And Janoris actually spoke to the media earlier, and he was asked about how comfortable are you taking on a role of leadership where maybe you've got to be a little bit more vocal with young guys. And he said, you know what? I basically teach by demonstration. You watch me. You look at what I do on the field. I'm not a vocal guy that's going to get up in your grill and so forth. But I think Dave Gettleman was impressed with the fact that day one, first practice, he already took DeAndre Baker to the side, and they were having a give and take in terms of technique with respect to that conversation. 100%. Uh, two other things very quickly I want to touch on before we get to your calls. I see it's a full bank at 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. I will try to get to your tweets over the course of the show as well. Uh, there's been some complaints from former players uh, about you know leaving and sour grapes and they didn't think it was handled well. Dave Gettleman was asked about that, and he was very clear that he thinks it's very important when you deal with people that you deal with them with respect, and I believe the term he used was leave them with their dignity as you go out the door, and he says you have to be very careful when you deal with people, how you go about it, and it's never easy to let go of people that gave big contributions to the football team, and he takes it very seriously. It's not easy, and he he believes that he's done a very good job in doing that for the New York football Giants. Second quickie, they asked the whole thing about the Giants brand because of comments that were made. I'm sure you guys read them in in GQ. And he basically said, I think the Giants brand is the fact that we have four Super Bowls and multiple other championships. And that's what the Giants brand stands for. I thought that was a good answer. And the final thing I want to bring up is he was asked by, I believe, one of the reporters of SNY, who's one of their anchors and, and reporters over there, what he would say to the fans that don't believe in the direction that he's taking the franchise. And I, I thought he gave as, as good of an answer as he could. And his answer was basically, look, the guy's in this building, and he was very complimentary of Pat Shermer. He said, I'm working with a great head coach, and he loves doing it, that we have a lot of combined experience. We know what we're doing. We're professionals. The we resume. take a lot of care. We take this seriously. And trust, give some credit to our resumes, is I believe the quote that he gave. And he said, you have to have some trust. And we've done it before, and we believe we can do it again. And again, he just stressed that the guys that they drafted are going to be the guys that are going to have to bring this team to where they're going. And he says, 
this might have been to a different answer, but it, it links back that we want these guys to succeed and do well even more so than the fans. As much as the fans care, they love it. But for us, it, it's even more important. For one, this is our lives, this is our profession. But he pointed out specifically, they understand. If these guys that Dave Gettleman brought in and drafted the last two years and the guys that Pat Shermer are coaching, if they don't play well, they're going to be looking for new jobs. Or as Dave Gettleman said, we're going to have new addresses. Yeah, that's the exact That was the term he used. used. So, guys, they get it. They understand. And it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It's something else that he said. And you're going to have to watch it unfold. And they'll be given time to do this. And the final question he was asked is, what, what does he think is a, is a successful season? He would not put a number on it, which is a smart thing to do. He would not put playoffs or bust on it. Smart thing to do. He said he wants to see improvement. And again, he stressed the improvement of especially the young players in the roster. Yeah, the only other thing that I was going to add is, I know you touched on the Brandon question, and he was asked about one or two questions specifically about Odell Beckham, mm. because I'm sure we're going to get questions about, about it, so call. we might as well address that here, and he basically said, Odell Beckham is now a member of the Cleveland Browns, and we are moving on. That and, was his initial, and then he was asked to follow up. And he also said, we wish him luck there, and he Correct. hope he does well, by he the did, way. He did, but mm-hmm. the, the tone was... I'm not going to take the bait and have a back and forth in the media after those comments in GQ magazine. We wish him well. It's time to move on. And Pat Shermer, by the way, John, a few days ago echoed the same exact sentiments. We moved on. We wish Odell Beckham well. And that's exactly what Dave Gettleman said as well. All right, let's do your calls, folks. We'll have a little bit of an abbreviated show since we started late. Um, but we will get out of here um, a little bit past 2. So let's get to your calls at 201-939-4513. It's all presented by Coors Light. Let's start with John in North Carolina. He'll lead us off today. Hey, John. Hey, what's up? What's up, man? How we doing, John? Uh, nicely. And I just want to talk about the quarterback situation with Eli okay. and Daniel Jones. Sure. Because, like, personally, I think, I think New York is going to be all over um, Daniel Jones just like it was with Porzingis. In two years from now, but they're going to still be in love with Eli because they finally got addressed. We finally addressed the offensive line. Eli, he can make all the throws. He can still make all the throws. He can still read, make all the reads. He can still do everything at an elite level. It's just that over the last couple of years, we didn't have a line that gave him enough time to do that. Well, John, I'm not quite sure I understand your comparison because until Kristaps Porzingis demanded a trade, Nick fans loved him. No, no, no. I'm not. No, what I mean by I ain't talking about just demanding a trade. I'm talking about Nick's how he was drafted. The little boy was crying. Oh, I got uh, you. I got you. I got you. Okay. Wasn't a great deal of support behind it. I understand. Why did they pick the wrong player the same day they did with Daniel Jones? I I hear you. I I get it now. (laughs) That's the way. That's the direction I was going with that. I hear that comparison. And then after, and then after this first season, after the first season, everybody was all in love with him. In two years, right. that's how I see everybody looking at Daniel Jones after sitting two years behind Eli. Because even though, even back in the spring, maybe even back in the um, in the winter before the drive even started, um, I'm pretty sure Gettleman said, group said that look at the models he wants to. He said the model that he wants to go by is more like the Green Bay Packers. What they did where they did the transition between Farr and Rogers, he sat for two years to learn the system, and by the time he got back in, by the time he was able to go in, boom, that's all you needed. Well, John, let me say this. I hope that whenever Daniel Jones does happen to take over, I hope he is treated with the same patience. And by the way, it's the correct patience that Sam Darnold was given last year with the Jets. Sam Darnold did not have a good rookie year. He struggled. But 
you're a rookie quarterback. Almost all rookie quarterbacks, and there are exceptions like a Baker Mayfield, they struggle in their first year, and that's okay. Eli Manning was horrible yeah. that first year he played. He was stunk. He stunk up the joint the first year he played for the Giants. That's okay. So I just hope that whenever Daniel Jones does take over, fans are a little bit patient with him and don't try to just, you know, go with the I told you so's it was a bad pick, he stinks after he plays one game and might not have a great game. And there's tons of models, by the way, Thank with you, respect appreciate to uh, appreciate the phone call when it comes to the transition of quarterbacks. Uh, uh, the caller throughout Green Bay, Kansas City, also the Chargers. Phillip Rivers and Eli Manning are always tied together because of the trade. Phillip Rivers sat two years behind Drew Brees before he even took over. So it, it's not one team. It, it's not rare. That's actually been followed a few times over the course of NFL history. And with respect to you know how Daniel Jones is going to be viewed and treated, I agree with you. If he does struggle when he initially takes over, which you've is got likely. Preach by the way, yeah, which is rookies likely. have ups and downs, but taking it a step further, listen, any player at any position, they're going to be judged based on what they do on the field. I mean, we could sit here every single show and speculate all you want about what he's going to do, how he's going to produce. You produce, if you're an athlete on any stage, in any sport, you earn the respect of fans. So mm -hmm. at the end of the day, Daniel Jones goes out there, he produces as an individual, he helps the team win, then the fans are going to be behind him. And, and that's no different than, to me, any other player that we've seen in the New York market or elsewhere who's played in a major market. And if they produce, no one will care where they yeah. got selected in the draft. I mean, I, we sat here for two or three years. I wasn't here, but when I was working at FAN, we got phone calls all the time about people complaining the Giants gave up too much in the trade-up for Manning. They gave up to this pick, this pick, that player turned to this player. You know, Sean Merriman, Nate Kading, and oh, how could you do it? It's a bad trade. Well, guess what? Once Eli won the Super Bowl, people were like, oh, no, it was fine. It was great. It's awesome. Great trade, guys. It's all about convenience. Right. What have you done for me lately? Let's go to Don in Tennessee. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light. Hey, Don. Hey, guys. How are you today? Doing right, great. Don. What's up? Um, you know, I'm not worried about the offense. The offense played decently in the second half last year, and you brought in some specialists at, for the line. So the line, the offense to me, is not going to be the problem. However, in yesterday's conversation, Lance, you, you may remember this. Uh, somebody asked you and Paul about um, Shermer's future. My concern is, A, those rookies in the backfield, and B, um, what, is, what is the future for Betcher? Because if the Giants have another bad year on defense, it seems they've lost games at the last minute. Uh, do you think they're going to make a switch out from Betcher? Well, first of all, I just want clarification, Don. You said rookies out of the backfield. What are you talking about? You're concerned defensive about backfield, about, defensive okay, backfield. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Rookies who, who this year will probably be in uh, playing in the secondary. Secondary, gotcha. I just when I hear backfield, I sometimes think running no, backs. No, no, I'm that's sorry. why. No, I no. Didn't mean, uh, no. Well, that's why uh, I asked for clarification. C completely understand right. where you're going. Well, with respect to James Betcher. Uh, let's start there, Don. I think what you have to understand is year one was a huge transition. He was bringing in his new scheme. He didn't necessarily have a lot of players that knew what he was running. They also had you know players that were traded away midseason. It was a fluid year for James Betcher. I think now he's got an entire offseason under his belt where the core of returning guys are familiar with the system. They also brought in some guys that were with him in Arizona, like Antoine Bethay. Marcus Golden, too. Marcus Golden, certainly. And you added that to a few guys that were already here. So Olsen Pierre as well, by the way. I should bring him up. 
defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's encouraging. But I don't view James Betcher being under pressure that, oh, my God, they have to have an unbelievable 180 performance this season. I, I think Dave Gettleman, I think Pat Shermer, they realize it's still a defense that's in transition. And, you know, going back to what we were talking about with Daniel Jones and any other rookie, there's going to be ups and downs. And if you're going to rely on a young secondary, which gets to your second point, then I think that further provides a little bit leeway that, hey, yes, there may be more comfort across the board, but you're also relying on DeAndre Baker, Julian Love, even Grant Haley, who's still a relatively young player, and Sam Beal, who are going to have good games, but they're also going to have games where maybe there's a missed assignment or a misplay. So I don't see pressure overwhelmingly on James Betcher. As far as you're concerned about the young secondary, you know, it, it goes back to you hope that the veteran safeties I think, helped these young corners come along. And I think the good news for the Giants is Antoine Bethea's played with a lot of different personnel during the course of his career. Antoine Bethea also is going into his fifth straight season where he's had a different defensive coordinator. So I think that puts things in perspective, too. And Jabril Peppers, as young as he is, he still has at least have some experience out on the field in different settings. So you're going to rely on, if you're James Betcher, the safety setting the tone for the back end and hoping that they bring the corners along. I think if any pressure is on anybody in the defense... To me, it's on Antoine Bethea and Jabril Peppers because they have a lot more experience than the guys playing around them. I got, I got one more quick question for you guys, and I'll take it off the air because I know you're, you have a short show today. Um, Lawrence in the, in the defensive line, he looks like he looks real big, in the, and I've yeah. seen the uh, video of him in practice. He looks like he's real uh, active in, in there. Um, do you think he will do a job, let's say, as good as Snacks did, or will be a step down, or uh, they be at the same level? I appreciate it, Don. Thanks for the call. Yeah. I think he'll be a little bit of a different player than Snacks. I think he will not be as good of a run stuffer, only because Snacks is literally maybe the best run stopping defensive tackle in the league. I think saying he's going to be that good right off the bat is probably being a little, you know, optimistic, for lack of a better term. So. But I think he'll be a better pass rusher. I think he's more athletic. I think he's quicker. I think he'll do a better job getting to the quarterback. So that's where I think it'll be a little bit different. So I think he'll be a different player. And again, I think he's not necessarily playing a nose tackle all the time either. I think we're going to see Dalvin in nose tackle sometimes. Then you'll see, you know, Lawrence playing that 3-4 defensive end spot. I think we're going to see that at times this year too. We saw it in practice already. So I think they're different players. I understand why you would make the comparison, but I do think Lawrence is going to be a different type of player. Whereas Frank, he was drafted to be a different type of player than what Harrison was. They would not have drafted him at 17 if they didn't think he was going to provide pass rush. And they do think that there's upside there. I mean, they indicated that immediately after they drafted him. And, you know, the other thing with Lawrence is, I'm sure when people hear that, John, they're going to look at his college statistics. They're going to say, well, you know, where are they seeing that? Keep in mind, he did deal with a foot injury, leg injury, for, you know, a good portion of his college career, Mm -hmm. which is not an excuse, but the fact that you're not fully 100%, I think is going to take away some of that oomph, some of that juice in you in terms of getting after the quarterback. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. we got a couple open lines. If you folks want to get in, we could take your calls. But for now, let's go to line two, Len in Columbia, Maryland. What's up, Len? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing great. Hey, uh, a couple of things uh, on, on Dave's press conference here today. Um, you know, trust is expensive. You know, it's expensive to yeah. trust these guys. I mean, I don't think you have a choice, though, Len. He has the job, right? He's not going well, anywhere. Okay. But, I mean, yeah. to just kind of pass it off as trust us, trust the resume, I mean, come on. There were other guys in the league who got a resume just like these two guys, Shermer and, and Dave. I, I mean, I, I'm, and I'm not knocking their capabilities either when I say that. But, I mean, I mean don't, don't, let's not. 
I mean, come on, let's not hold these resumes up and say these are the two greatest resumes in the world. Well, no, 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 I hear you. you know, but... Particularly when you look at the head coach. So I, I just want to temper. No, that's fair. That's fair. I, I just want to temper Dave's comments. I mean, you know, trust me, you know, trust us. No, but look, no, um, but look, hey, look, hey, look, hey, listen, no, but listen, real quick, Len, real quick, Len, real quick. It's going to cost me some money. Uh, and and I'm, I'm doing that out of trust. Come on, show me some wins so I feel good about buying. No, but the Len, 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 hold on. They've been here for one year. They've been here for one. No, but Len, they've been here for one year. That's the point. It's so early in the process. They're going to have to show results. But until you okay. get until you get on the field and start playing games, there's really nothing else they can say but that. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, That's here's, it. What, all right, here's one of the things I would, I would say back to Dave, and then I want to move on to something positive, mm-hmm. although this really isn't negative. And this is kind of a, an idea that I've had and I've carried forward for a number of years. In the modern NFL, guys, if you can't do it in three, three being getting to the playoffs, you can't do it. You can't do it, whether you're a coach or a general manager. It's, it's too much parity, too much parity. Listen, let me give him some credit. One of the things... I think Dave has done that a lot of people are not talking about, and he, and he really should get a lot of credit. He's spending a lot of time right-sizing the cap situation. And I think in the long run that's really going to help us. Of course, it doesn't really happen. We don't have it right-sized in, in, until we settle this quarterback situation. I mean, we're going to pay those two quarterbacks, Len, Eli, uh, even, Len, though, even though it may not affect Daniel the cap. Jones is on a we're going to pay them a lot of money. No, yeah, no, I'm sorry, Len, go ahead. Eli Manning's contract's up after the year. Yeah, and Daniel Jones is on a rookie contract. So it's not really going to happen. We're not going to be in the position that everybody wants to be, including Dave, in, until that quarterback situation gets settled. Well, but, but I don't. But no, no, but Len, 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 hold on. Len, doing, Len, 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 hold on. It, Before you move on, let's clarify that last statement because I have no yeah. idea what you're alluding to. When you say unsettling and you're bringing in money, we just said Eli Manning is on the books just through this season. Beyond that is the land of the unknown. There's no financial commitment for him. And Daniel Jones is on a rookie contract. So when you say that has to be settled before they have a clear path financially, I don't understand how those two things are synonymous with one another. There is no financial burden on the quarterback position right now as it currently stands. Starting next year. Yeah. You mean in terms of the cap or just in yeah. terms of... In terms of the cap. In terms of the cap. Lance, Lance, yeah. they just guaranteed his, his bonus. I that mean, they just that guaranteed the signing but, bonus for the guy and gave him the money. But that's one year. We just said he's on the books through 2019. You can't tell it, me anything about 2020 or beyond until a contract okay. is handed. Yeah, n- that's n- my point. Right. Next year, let the cap clear. Let me see if I can say something that you will agree with about this in the cap. Because I meant this to be positive, and you're taking it negatively. Well, I'm not taking it negative. Uh, I just want to clarify in, in, until, what you threw Until <laughs> one of those... Until Eli's salary, and I hate to say it because you know how much I like Eli. Until that salary is off the books... Hey, we've, we've got a burden yeah. with the cap. Yeah, but Len, that's our point. It's off the but books after this year. You're, you're making it sound okay, like okay. it's a six-year commitment. Yeah, here. it's yeah. this year. That's it. It's, it's one it, season. It, hey, that's listen, it. give me, give me, hey, listen, give me some credit for saying that he's right-sizing this cap. But I don't think we can complete this until that contract is off the books. Okay, and it I will mean, be, and next offseason it will be. Yeah. Yeah, okay, good, good. I know, and again, okay, great. hey, when it comes to that aspect of the job, he's doing a great job. And I, I'm, I'm hoping with regard to the transition, look, you, you guys, Dave can say all he wants about it's Sherman's decision, 
I, I don't believe that for a minute. Come on, guys. I don't believe that for a minute, that he's not, he's not going to be in on the how, the when, the where, and the why. Len, 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 decision. We, li- we, we literally said that, as Dave said, they talk every day, and they will speak about that every day, but ultimately yeah. it is Pat's decision. But will there be a conversation? Will there be coordination? Will there be strategy spoken between the two? Absolutely. But in the end, who starts? is a decision of the head coach. Yeah, I mean, we're not naive, Len. Of course. I agree with you, of yeah, course. 100%. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be back and forth. I mean, how could a GM not talk to his coach about the direction of the team and not include the quarterback? It's just that when it comes to, you know, week one, week two, specifically this season, I don't think Dave Gettleman's picking up the phone during a game and telling Pat, put him in in the third quarter. I yeah. mean, that, <laughs> that, that's where, that's think, where we're I getting don't think we'll. I don't think we'll see that, but I don't yeah. think Pat, I don't think Pat's going to make this decision from one week to the next. Without getting approval. Well, no, 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 I agree. There's no way Pat Shermer is going to go do a press conference, say Daniel Jones is starting, without telling Dave, Dave yeah, Gettleman Or first. running it by Dave no, Gettleman, that, of course. That, yeah. is, that is not going to happen. We agree. Now, as, as I have probably just proved, this, this decision about the transition is probably going to be the most debated, overanalyzed, uh-huh. um, emotional decision on a, on a personnel move in the history of the NFL, it's, it's going to be there's going to be way, way too much attention paid to it. But there's that, already that's too much attention. Just the nature it, yeah. of it. That's the way it is. It's just the way it Listen, is. Listen, and so it begins with the injuries. I'm sorry to hear that, but hey, yeah, we we got uh, you know five weeks to the start of the season, six weeks, five and a half weeks to the start of the season, and uh, hopefully Shepard comes back and uh, you know you know we make some strides and and we, and we move forward. I, I hope so. I, I think it's a better it's a better team. Uh, uh, let me let me say one other thing. It's easy to say we've moved on, but does that make us better or worse? Well, we'll find out. You know, the, the answer to the Beckham question was, well, we've moved on. Well, did it, did it make us better? No, but, oh, Len, but you're but not going to know that no, but, until the results come But, Len, come he's through. answered questions about the Beckham trade for six months. He's, why, why go back and rehash it now just to create another back and forth and another controversy? That was the exact right thing you should have said. Yeah. Well, well, do you think uh, do, do you think Pat's thinking that did this make us better or not? Well, long term, they believe this makes the Giants a better team. Yes. Why would okay. you Why would you make a trade, Len, if you don't yeah. think it would help your team in some capacity? Yeah. However, you want to sit here and interpret it. We think what? this trade screws us. Let's do it, guys. Come on. Who in their right mind, Len, would make a trade well, like well, that? Let me let me let me say this. I don't think it helped us. Well, and you're entitled to your opinion, but yeah, yeah, so yeah. I, and I just I'm not denying to make sure my Len. opinion got out there. Well, of course, just, it's on the record. We're, on we're marking it down. Len. Here we go. July 26, 1:48 p.m. You said you didn't think this trade was going to make you better. We 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 got you, but the point is, you're not going to know. Thank you, Len. Appreciate until the, call. the results come to the forefront over the next few seasons. But the point is. It, we're looking at it. We're analyzing the press conference right now. That's all that could be analyzed mm-hmm. in terms of the words through the media. Dave Gettleman, it would be a waste and exhaustion of his energy to revisit and overanalyze a trade that occurred months ago. How could it help the well, Giants by doing that? He, it's not going to help their roster. Pat Shermer should not, not stand at the podium. No. You know, he's got to deal with now Corey Coleman dealing with a torn ACL. Do you think now he wants to revisit a GQ article every single day? Did we treat him the right way? Did we not treat him the right way? The bottom line is they have to move on. And in order to get better, to your point, Len, they've got to groom this receiving core and get them to produce consistently. So that's where the energy should be focused on. But as far as did it benefit them in the long term? Yes. When they made the move, that's what they believed. 
Time will tell, though. It's a results-oriented business. And until we see what goes on on the field over the next few seasons, it's all pure speculation at this point. We will find out. We'll find out. The yeah. same way we'll find out about Daniel Jones and every other move Dave Gettleman's made. We are going to find out. But that goes back to the patience thing. You just have to wait and you have to see. You can't make decisions after one year. Yeah. I understand the concerns. And Dave Gettleman was very clear when he was asked about the fans' concerns that he understands them too. He gets it. And he appreciates the fans and their passion. And he loves them. But you can't make these decisions before you get on the field and, and, and play a game. Before you see who they took with the number six pick in the draft. You just can't make those decisions. You don't have enough information. All right. That was the appetizer. And here's Lance's full meal. It's Charlie Important the Maine. Hi, Charlie. Oh, good. No intro. We're heading in the right direction hey today. Hey, What's up, Charlie? Turning of a hey, new you leaf. Little, you little Russell and Len QDs. Give him a break. No, but Charlie, I, I, no, Charlie, look, I just didn't understand this point about Eli. Because he's like, until uh, we solve the contract problem, it's solved. And, and Charlie. He, he only has one year left, and it's gone after this year. So there isn't anything to stress about. And, and usually we got to make sense of your phone call. You should That's be true. relieved that we actually <laughs> turned our attention to somebody else on today's program. So point. who are you to now tell us that we should take it easy on somebody? <laughs> let, let, let's hear what you have to <laughs> offer on today's program. On oh, well, that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad you understand what Len went through on today's show. Let, let's hear what you have to offer us here. All right, here we go. Hey, I, I, what I've been saying is this is the Odell curse. Remember the curse of the Bambino? Well, now we got the curse of Odell. Four wide what about the curse of the Billy down. Goat? You're not going to throw that in? What about the curse of the Billy Goat? Why'd you have to go with the Bambino? There's the Billy <laughs> no, Goat, too. I'll leave that one out. Well, so okay. there you go. You got four, four wide receivers that already already gone down. Now we gotta, who's going to be next? That's what, I, that's what I got to say. But let me say this. We got some wide receivers out there, veterans that we can bring in. Okay, let's hear it. I'll just name you a few. Wait a minute, I, hold got... on. Does Will Beatty play wide receiver? Did you <laughs> no, confirm no, with him? He doesn't. He doesn't? Oh, that's disappointing. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But you got Des Bryant. You uh, got Terrence Williams. You got uh, Michael Crabtree. Okay. You got a you got a Keen Nix. You got Roger mm. Lewis, who played with mm. us and knows Eli. And you got, of course, Pepe Le Pew's out there. <laughs> so. <laughs> so you got some veterans. I mean, crab. You know, crab the, there's a few other former Giants wide receivers that you failed to mention too. You know, <laughs> but, our our show's patron saint Ramsey's Barden is still out there yes. too. Yeah. <laughs> Jarrell Jernigan. I'm 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 uh, done with him. Oh, sure, Corey we Washington. found someone wow. that. Oh, you Corey Washington. Got... That's another one. We forgot about him. Forgot That's about right. Him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I think uh, I think uh, Michael I think he is productive. He was productive last year. He was with he Baltimore. Would be a That's right. Pickup. Huh? No, I said with Baltimore. I agree with you. He was I think, productive. I, yeah, think, yeah. I, think, I think that's a fair person to take a look at, Charlie. Yeah. We, we, we don't disagree there. And Dave Dettelman, as Lance said, he said they are going to bring in some veteran wide receivers. Whether he's going to be one of them, we'll see. But that is certainly yeah. a name. I would lay low on Des Bryant. That's just me. Yeah. Well, I, I would just love Des Bryant because you know he would love to go against the Cowboys. At least he'd play two games that he would be great in. You <laughs> well, know, I would just bring him in for those two games. <laughs> well, but remember, the other thing that I'm going to emphasize again as I started off the show with, whoever they bring in is far from being guaranteed a roster spot. Also, keep oh, in mind, right. Charlie. Right. You know, so, so even if you bring in a guy, you're bringing in a guy with the anticipation he's going to fill one of the five or six spots that goes to a wide receiver. At this point, like Dave Gettleman indicated, they need bodies for the sake of practice. And then those guys can showcase what their worth is on the team. But that doesn't mean just because they bring in a wide receiver tomorrow that that means all of a sudden that guy's going to make the 53. I will say this, though. Whoever they bring in, 
I believe we'll have, if it's a veteran like, this, this is an example, and I'm not saying this is a name they're bringing in, a guy like right. Michael Crabtree, for example, do I think he would have a legitimate shot to with compete you. for the third wide receiver spot? Absolutely. Exactly. 100%. And I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that it should just be guaranteed. Receiver, That's all. You know, Coleman was kind of plugged in there. So I think they need to look for a third. Well, wide Cody receiver. Latimer, I think, is going to get a shot, in fairness. Okay, Cody Latimer, who was hurt last year, I, yep. I think he's going to yep. be given a chance now. Russell Shepard, I know, is viewed as a special teamer, but he also proved that he can be a wide receiver, and Dave Gettleman saw that firsthand when he was in Carolina. So, you know, there are some veterans still on this roster that have an opportunity to compete for those spots. Hey, and you know who else is out there for a pass rusher? Is uh, Muhammad Wilkinson is still available. He's 29 years old. He's a defensive end in a 3-4. He would give us a really great pass rush. Who would you like so him to I, take who would you like him to take snaps away from? Lawrence, Tomlinson or Hill? I think you need four for a good rotation. Okay. I think you need four and if he be, if he can beat out Tomlinson, fine. Charlie, you 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 do if you're running a 4-3, you don't if you're running a 3-4. Well, no, Wilkinson has played in a 3-4. No, no, but my point, though, is that you don't need Volume that large. Because remember, your outside linebackers oh, okay. become yeah, yeah, hear, remember your outside yeah, linebackers become defensive ends when you go to the sub-package, and you're in sub-package 70% of the time these days anyway. So, uh, frankly, but Tomlinson uh, the, is a pass rusher, yeah. we could utilize him. Well, he's got versatility. I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, Thank I, you, Charlie. Appreciate I the think, call. though, and Charlie, okay, thanks guys. for weighing Thank in. You got it. I think at this point... He was actually John, sensible today, by the way. He was okay. Yeah, well, let's not give him too much points, but I well, will agree a, with you. It's a low bar. Yeah, the low bar. Okay, <laughs> if we're basing it on the low bar, yeah. Okay, we'll pat him <laughs> on the back a few times. I, I don't think that they want to necessarily bring in a veteran there to take away also snaps in training camp, John, from some of these younger players. Yeah, I agree. Whereas, you know, wide receiver, if... Charlie wants to make a case that they need a veteran in for snaps, for competition. Yes, I think clearly they have a need for that. I I don't know necessarily if they have a need for that in the front part of their 4-3 scheme, 3-4 scheme rather, excuse me. And remember, part of everything they've done the last two years is to get the locker room right and get the culture right. Two guys you mentioned there, Des Bryant, Muhammad Wilkerson. That's another good point. There are pockmarks on their past history in that regard. Well, especially with Wilkerson, some off-the-field issues. So, that's fair. Just saying. 201-939-4513. Scott in New Mexico is up next. Hey, Scott. Hi, guys. Hey, What's Scott. What's up? I promise I won't be as vociferous as Charlie or Lynn. <laughs> no, 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 worries. no, no, Listen, no, we Scott, can handle it. No, Scott, we're, we're not so, Scott, here's the thing. Honestly, we don't mind people calling in and expressing their opinions, but when we get, you know, rankled sometimes, it's when we think that facts are being presented incorrectly. And yeah, and, and that's right. why we went, up, went went after him on the Manning thing because his contract is up after this year, so it really isn't a long-term problem. Anyway, go ahead. Right. Well, uh, actually, my question is more about uh, what's happened. Uh, I was a big Corey Coleman fan. I thought he would be the X Factor this year, so I'm disappointed in that. Understandable. My question is has to deal with uh, continuity between receiver and quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think with the rash of in- injuries, does this set that back. In other words, will it take longer to develop the continuity with the new receivers that uh, obviously will have to play in the interim until uh, Sterling Shepping gets back on the field? Uh, does it happen in preseason? Will it happen in training camp? Or will it actually have to go into the actual season to actually know? Oh, and does, does it uh, 
do the quarterbacks suffer in a degree? Uh, Eli Manning as well, because they don't are you have talking, the same players that they normally would have. Scott, had. are you talking so about sure. are you talking about specific players in general? Because a guy like Golden Tate, I mean, he's going to get plenty of snaps, so that's not a problem. Latimer right, was here Corey last Coleman, year. I thought was earmarked to actually maybe get a starting position. No, no, he was. Uh, but remember, he he he's not going to be back this year though. So I think the only guy right. you're talking about where that might be a struggle is if Slayton misses a significant amount of time, including preseason games. Might that? slow his progress down? Sure. I don't necessarily see that problem with anybody else, though. Yeah, because if you look at the top three, if the top three are Shepard, Tate, and Coleman, let's say, going based on what you're saying, right. Scott, all right, now all you're doing is you're moving like a guy like Latimer into Coleman's spot, and Eli, granted, did have an overwhelming amount of snaps with him last year because he spent a good portion of the year on IR, but he was here all offseason. He was here last training camp, and Eli worked with him, so I don't think that's a tremendous transition. I think your concern would be more important to emphasize if Eli was without, you know, three of his top wideouts and all of a sudden you're moving guys up that may right. at the end of the day not even make the roster. I should point out too, when Golden Tate spoke to the media today, Scott, he said Cody Latimer has been his most valuable resource in terms of learning the offense. And when he has any questions, he asks Cody and Cody knows his offense better than anyone, which I thought was an interesting answer because I've never heard anybody else say that about Latimer. So it's good that he is really engrossed in the playbook. And so the quarterbacks themselves are adaptable. In other words, they sure. realize that obviously yeah. people are going to get hurt and they're going so to make obviously allowances for that as well in, in their, rep, in their uh, uh, you know, discourse with well, all the uh, and different Scott, receivers. I mean, if you look, at, you, Scott. you look at Eli Manning's career, I mean, think about how many injuries he's had to deal with at the wide receiver position. So I just don't really think it's anything new for Eli. All throughout his career, he's had guys that have gone down. You know, Dominic Hickson, you think about. Akeem Nix has been banged up. And guys have had to step up. So, you know, to me, this is just, hey, another year of experience in which he's going to unfortunately have to deal with the injury bug. Yeah, it's important for Shepard to get back, though. And it doesn't sound serious because if you lose, look, if you lose any of Ingram, Tate, or Shepard, that has a significant impact on the offense. You need all those guys on the field. Because we talked about, look, if you're not going to have Odell here as your one big star, you need a bunch of guys you know are good, even if they're not super-duper stars that can get open and do their thing. Reliable. Once you start taking those guys out of the equation and you're bringing in guys that have much less of a track record, that's when you worry about the offense, whether or not they can be explosive enough through the air. So I'm very happy to hear that Shepard's injury is not going to be that serious and he is going to be back. Yeah, well, that's why I said if you take like top three guys of the depth chart off and now you bring in the other three, yeah, yeah that's when yeah. I think it becomes a little bit concerning from a continuity standpoint. Mark in Chicago is our final call of the show. Hey, Mark. Hey, guys. How you doing today? We're great, Mark. Doing What's right, going Mark? on? Hey, I'm surprised you didn't mention uh, Preston Parker or Ruben Randall. They've been on the team more recently than Hakeem Nix. Preston Parker, wow. Yeah, Preston Parker, that big game against the Seahawks, I remember. <laughs> I wonder if Preston Parker's building tiki huts again down there. <laughs> so, anyway, hey, guys, I tried to find it um, out on the Internet. I haven't been able to find a video of a play with Shepard's injury. Can you describe what happened on that play? And yeah. the reason why I bring it up it sort of grinded my gears a little bit yesterday. Uh, about an hour after it happened, some guy's on Twitter, and he's, like, blaming it on Eli Manning because it was a low throw or whatever. Oh, that's you know, stupid. You know, guys, exactly what happened there? No, you know what? Uh, Janoris Jenkins uh, described the play a little bit today. I'm not even sure if he was able to put his finger on exactly which play it was. I'm not sure exactly what play it was. I think it was a contested catch between Jenkins and Shepard, and the way Jenkins described it, he kind of – 
got his thumb stuck either in between the Went ball on the ground or the ball bounced up off the ground, hit him in the thumb. It, it was something like that. I can't even tell you for sure uh, whether or not it was a good pass. Jenkins might even hit the ball down into the ground. I'm not even sure, but uh, the kid, he, he, bottom line is this. If you're going to go and try to blame Eli Manning for Sterling Shepard fracturing his finger, you're an idiot, and I'm, and I'm proud to say that. Well, and I just don't understand why you have to play the blame game, Mark. And I'm not saying you were. You're referring to somebody else. No, it wasn't me. No, no, I, I, and I'm not saying it was you. I, I'm just saying I don't understand why anybody needs to play the blame game. The bottom line is you can't revisit the circumstance. Shepard fractured a piece of his thumb. Now he's got to get back on the road to recovery. Yeah. It's not going to change the past, no matter how much you analyze it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it was really part of an anti-Uli agenda. Of course so I know you guys is. want to go, and I'll cut out one topic I wanted to ask. John, I hope you have a clean piece of paper for this year. I'm going to make my bold prediction for the year. Do you want to do it now, or do you want to wait? Uh, you going to have a separate show on it? Yes. We will, we will have a okay. bold I'll prediction look. show towards the end of camp, for sure. Okay, yeah, this is a regular season thing, not a uh, sp- uh, training prediction. Yeah, that's so, fine. Anyway... Now, go ahead, John. No, no, I said well, that's he, fine. I mean, if he wants to throw it out if, now. If, if you want to throw it out now, you can. I don't think that's okay. wrong with it. Yeah, you can throw yours out, Mark. Okay. Um, last year, I was at the Detroit uh, workouts. Mm-hmm. I was really impressed with Lorenzo Carter. He was in the backfield very quickly out there. I'm, I don't know if he's going to lead the team in sacks. My prediction is 10.5 sacks. Okay, so this is Mark. Double digits for Lorenzo Carter. That would be a significant jump. Lorenzo it Carter. would be, and I hope he makes it. Yeah, well, so, they, they anyway, would welcome guys, that. have a great day. Thanks. Right, Thank Mark, you, Mark. Appreciate you the too. phone call. And by the way, we didn't even mention what happened to practice yesterday with all the extra news that yeah, came out. Carter. Lorenzo Carter was fantastic. Uh, he made an unbelievable play in the running game. They did an end around to Golden Tate, and it looked like Golden Tate had turned the corner on him. Carter flips his hips and almost runs faster than the wide receiver to track him down. Great play. Reasoning line manning screen gets an interception. He was in the backfield on the pass rush a couple of times. He had an unbelievable practice. And as you go now from the spring where there's very little contact allowed to now when there is contact allowed, the guys that get better are the guys that I get excited about. Some guys disappear when you start having contact. Other guys get better. And look, it's one practice, so I'm not making drawing any conclusions at all, but it was a good start for Lorenzo Carter, for sure. And, and he talked to the media, by the way. He said he, he did. put on almost 11 pounds of muscle over the offseason. Went from 244, 245 to 256. Also completely downplayed his performance yesterday. He felt there was no need to uh, draw attention, but it's understandable. Team's looking for a consistent pass rusher, and so far he's looked good. But keep in mind, we're also in the very early stages of training camp. Uh, the physicality is not nearly where it is going to be once they start to put the full pads on and everything. So that's also yeah. important to And know. by NFL rules, you cannot put your pads on the first two days of camp. So the yeah. earliest they could do full pads is Saturday. Uh, I think they're going to do it Saturday, but I don't know that for sure. So... If you're coming out to practice, make sure you check it out. I believe practice is open to the public, Matt, Saturday and Sunday, right? Yeah. So if you come out, you might get a pad at practice, which will be fun. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmoke. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light. We appreciate it. Practice starts at 2.45 today. We'll be out there, and we'll have coverage and review of that practice on Giants.com. We'll see you on today's Friday, right? Today is Friday, yes. Dude, do you know training camp? Days don't matter anymore. I know. So we'll be off the next two days, and we'll see you Monday at 1 o'clock on Giants.com. Adios. Have a good one.